Thank you so much for being here on our Open House Sunday. If this is your first or second time with us, thank you for choosing to worship with us. We are not a perfect church, but we are a church that loves people and loves Jesus, and we want to reach people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. And that's what we're all about. And so I'm grateful that you're here today. And uh, you can go ahead and find a seat this morning. And if you have a Bible today, I want to encourage you to go to John chapter number 10. John chapter 10 is where we're going to be. We are starting a brand new series of messages today that we are calling The Good Life. The Good Life. And we're going to be talking about what it means to experience the life that Jesus has to offer. Not the good life that uh, the world might want to uh, tempt us with, but the life that Jesus is offering us. And today we're going to be in John chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the seat back in front of you. Uh, you can take that Bible home if you need a Bible. Most of the verses will be on the screen today as well. But John chapter 10, we're going to start reading today in verse number 7. And if you are excited about studying the Word of God today, would you say amen? John chapter 10, verse number 7, the Bible says this. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Today, I want to bring a message that I'm calling Out of the Ordinary. How God has called us from an ordinary life to the abundant life that he is offering us today. Let's have a word of prayer and we will jump into the message today. God, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you today and in this place that we can gather together in this local church. Thank you for the work that you're doing in our church. God, we're praying that more people would be reached with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for what you did in the early services. I pray that you would speak to us in a great way today, and we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, a few weeks ago was my oldest daughter's birthday, and so we decided to take her to Goofy's Kitchen, which is in downtown Disney. Has anybody ever been to Goofy's Kitchen in downtown Disney? And uh, this is a very special and fun place for children because they have all kinds of crazy food at Goofy's Kitchen. You can have a pizza uh, that is a s'mores pizza, and you can have peanut butter and jelly pizza, and just all kinds of uh, goofy food, and that's why they call it Goofy's Kitchen, and uh, it's a great and fun experience for kids. And so uh, we went there. We were having a blast. The kids kept on going back and forth from, uh, from the buffet, just getting all kinds of crazy food. And I looked over at Liv while we were eating my daughter, and I said, well, Liv, what do you think? What, what would you rate this place? And she said, I'd give it an F. And I thought, an F? And she said, an F for phenomenal. 
And we said, live, phenomenal is not spelled with an F. And uh, we laughed about that. And uh, uh, we, were, we were joking around about that, having a great time. And uh, on our way home, Kate and I were driving home. And uh, we were looking at some of the pictures from Goofy's Kitchen. And uh, we looked at those pictures. And we thought, in that moment, uh, they were living the good life. <laughs> the kids were just enjoying every second of it. Uh, I wonder this morning, when, when you think of the good life, what comes to mind? When you think about the good life, what kind of images uh, do you conjure up in your mind? Is it about having a career that you love and, and uh, uh, making enough money and being very successful? Is a good life about being able to go on vacation whenever you want? Is a good life uh, about being successful in your relationships or having financial freedom. We might all have different ideas about what the good life is, but make no mistake about it, all of us today share something in common, and that is that we are all interested in the good life. Now, we might say it differently, we might have different verbiage, but all of us are interested in the good life. There was a philosopher and theologian in the 17th century, his name is Blaise Pascal, and he said this, all men have happiness as their object. There are no exceptions. However different the means they employ, they aim at the same end. In other words, we are all interested in happiness. We are all interested in experiencing the good life. Uh, Forbes magazine, they recently did an article uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and they said that 80% of people say that they are loyal to a business that will help them achieve, quote unquote, the good life. And they define the good life as these four components, balance, meaningful connections, money, and personal achievement. And if I can have those, those four things, then I will experience the good life. And see, uh, we are all interested in this. I was thinking about even in our culture today when it comes to uh, some of the popular music uh, today. Uh, it often talks about feeling good and finding happiness and living the good life. I brought some examples to share. Would that be okay today? A couple of examples. Check out this first one. Right? That was the number one song in 2014, and I saw some of you tapping your toes today, so don't act like you, didn't, you weren't getting into it, right? And uh, all about being happy. Uh, this next song, our kids love to have dance parties at our house with this, uh, this next one. Right? How many of you have children and have had some dance parties with Princess Poppy? Okay, some of you are not telling the truth this morning in God's house. This, this last one might not be as familiar to you, but... Uh, this last song speaks of the good life. Check it out. Right? We are all interested in the good life, right? We, we, we crave uh, fulfillment in life. The question is not if we crave fulfillment. The question is uh, where are we trying to find it? And while human beings have this innate desire within us to crave for fulfillment, we are so confused on where to find this kind of fulfillment. And so often we are searching in all of the wrong places, trying to find the good life, when the good life is often a misconception. Jesus talked about something different. He talked about the abundant life. And all throughout scripture, Jesus gave us uh, insights to how to find real fulfillment and satisfaction. John chapter 6, uh, verse number 35, Jesus says this, 
And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus is saying, hey, if you are looking for fulfillment, if you're looking for something to satisfy you, uh, then have a real relationship with me because I am the bread of life, and I am the living water. And I love that this new life that Jesus gives us is not just an enhancement or an improvement on our old life. Uh, Jesus gives us a life completely brand new. Aren't you thankful for that today? Uh, Katie and I, we were driving down Foothill the other day, and uh, we looked over, and we saw uh, uh, Longhorn Steakhouse, and uh, we saw that restaurant, and that's where Joe's Crab Shack used to be. How many of you enjoy Joe's Crab Shack? Okay, just a few of you. That's why they went out of business, okay? And so Joe's Crab Shack used to be there, and what's interesting is uh, they didn't just kind of give a rehab to Joe's Crab Shack. They didn't just kind of remodel it. They completely tore it down. They tore down the entire restaurant, and they built a brand new restaurant from the ground up. I'm thankful that when it comes to the life that we have in Christ, Jesus doesn't just give us a few cosmetic improvements here and there. He doesn't just give us a few enhancements here and there. He gives us a life completely made brand new from the ground up. We are a new creation in Christ. Behold, all things are passed away and all things are made new. And so the life that Jesus offers is brand new life. And this brand new life that he offers truly is the good life. Now, we come to John chapter 10 today, and there is something that we need to know that's very important about John chapter 10. Are you ready for it? John chapter 10 comes right after John chapter 9, okay? I want you to mark it down, and I don't want you to forget it. And the reason why that's significant is because John chapter 10 is taking place in the same day, in the same setting as John chapter 9. And uh, this is significant. Sometimes we think when there's a chapter division in the Bible, it's a whole new segment. Well, really, this is the same day, the same scene, the same setting. And in John chapter 9, there was a man that was born blind. And the disciples walked by and saw him in his blind condition, and they asked Jesus, who did sin, this man or his parents? And Jesus responded by saying, neither did this man sin nor his parents, but that the works of God would be made manifest in him. In other words, uh, this man was born blind so that I could do something great and incredible in his life. And so Jesus miraculously heals this blind man. He can now see. Now, we would think that would be cause for celebration. That would be cause for excitement. He has new sight. Uh, We should celebrate this new sight. But what happened instead was the religious leaders of the day and the Pharisees were upset because Jesus did this on the Sabbath day. And this broke their custom, their ritual, their routine. And so they were very upset. And so rather than celebrating with the man that was born blind, uh, they criticized him and they condemned him. And not only that, if you read the full story, they cast him out of the temple. They excommunicated him and said, you are no longer welcome back. And so in John chapter 10, Jesus tells this parable, this story of the good shepherd, and he is comparing and contrasting how those Pharisees that cast the blind man out were not good shepherds, and how he is the true good shepherd. And so in John 10, we have the good shepherd, which means that we are the sheep, okay? Everybody tracking so far today? Now, out of all the animals in the animal kingdom, you probably wouldn't choose to relate to a sheep, right? You might want to choose to be a fierce lion. Uh, you might want to be a you know, wild stallion, something awesome like that. But the truth is, no matter how educated you are, uh, no matter how strong you are, no matter how sophisticated you are, at the end of the day, this is us, a sheep, okay? Now, that should produce within us a little bit of humility, right? Like, I don't want to be a sheep, right? Uh, that's what we are. Welcome to the family. And so uh, Jesus is the good shepherd. We are the sheep. This is imagery that's used all throughout the scripture. Psalm 100, verse number three, puts it this way. Know ye not that the Lord, he is God? It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep 
of his pasture. Jesus is the good shepherd. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the great shepherd. And in Luke chapter 15, we have another insight just how much the good shepherd loves his sheep. I want you to see it. Luke chapter 15, verse 4. Jesus said, what man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he had found it, he would lay it on his shoulders. And, and that's a phrase speaking of security, that the shepherd would take the feet of the lamb and, and put it over his shoulders and hold him tight, rejoicing. This is a picture of the good shepherd and how much Jesus loves people that he's willing to leave the 99 to go after the one. Aren't you thankful that Jesus loves you so much that he says, hey, I'm going to leave it behind and go to seek and to save that which is lost. And so we have this picture of Jesus, the shepherd, holding the sheep, which was in the first century for many years the actual symbol and icon of Christianity. Today we might think of the icon or the symbol as the cross. You know, we wear necklaces with the cross on it. Perhaps you've seen a bumper sticker, the sign of the fish, or uh, something like that. Well, in the first century, really this was the image, the icon for following Jesus, a shepherd that loves his sheep. And so today we're going to study John chapter 10, this, this parable, and just we're going to zero in on two verses where Jesus is talking about the good shepherd and his sheep, and he's going to talk in this parable about how we can experience uh, the good life, and more than a good life, the abundant life. I believe that Jesus is calling us out of the ordinary and into a wonderful beautiful, amazing life that he has designed for you. And so today, I want us to see three ways that we can experience the good life that Jesus has to offer. Would that be okay today? Three ways. Number one, if you're taking notes, we have to recognize that Jesus provides everything that we need. Jesus provides everything that we need. Let's, Let's look at it in verse number nine. It says this, Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. Now, whenever you see Jesus in the New Testament, he uses this vernacular, I am, we have to pay attention. Because Jesus is using particular language on purpose that he's actually pulling from the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 3, verse number 14, uh, Moses saw a burning bush and it was not consumed. And there God revealed himself to Moses. And in that verse, in Exodus three fourteen, it says, God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, uh, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And so in the Hebrew, this, this, this phrase, I am that I am, it's the Hebrew name for God, God's personal name. It's the Hebrew Yahweh. Uh, this is who God is. He is the great I am, uh, the all-sufficient, self-existent one. This is God's name, Yahweh. And so when Jesus says, I am, When he makes these claims, I am the door. When he says, I am the vine, I am the living water, I am the bread of life. When Jesus says, I am, what he is saying is this. I am more than a good teacher. I am more than a prophet. I am more than a nice person. What he is saying is, I am that I am. Jesus was claiming to be God. He says, I am God in the flesh. And by the way, whatever you need today, Jesus says, I am. If you're thirsty, he says, I am the living water. If you're hungry, he says, I am the bread of life. If you are looking for new life, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. And so this was powerful, particular language used on purpose by Jesus. But specifically, he says, I am the door. I am the door. Now, through this phrase, I want us to see three things specifically that Jesus offers us. Would that be okay? 
three things that Jesus provides for us. The first thing that we see is salvation. And I, for one, am very thankful for my salvation. I'll never forget the day that I was saved, that I placed my faith in Jesus, and he gave me this new life, right? And that Jesus provides salvation. I want you to see in verse number nine. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, watch this, he shall be saved. He says, I am the door. And if any man comes in, he will be saved. Now, this is why Jesus came. Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. This is why he came. And Jesus says, I am the door. And if any man comes in, he will be saved. And he's using particular language, again, on purpose, because this would uh, mean something to a first century Jewish audience who are very familiar with shepherds and sheep and the process of how that worked. Because they would be familiar with a sheepfold. I think we have a picture today. And a sheepfold would have been an enclosure with a small opening. And this enclosure out in the field would have kept the sheep in place. But a good shepherd, if he loved his sheep and he wanted to take care of his sheep and make sure that no one would steal his sheep, he would actually go to sleep at night in the opening. And so the only way in and out of the sheepfold was through the shepherd. The shepherd would literally become the door in and out. And so what Jesus is saying is if you want in, if you want to be saved, the only way that you can be saved is through me. I am the door. There are not many doors of salvation. There is one door. It's not the door of religion. It's not the door of church. It's not the door of good behavior. It's not the door of what my parents said. It's the door of Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. He says, I am the door. I am the only way. How many of you have ever seen the movie Monsters, Inc.? All right, classic Monsters, Inc. And uh, remember the last scene, like the best scene in the movie when they're trying to save Boo and they got, they're traveling through all those doors, those thousands of doors in the factory. And uh, uh, what are they doing? They're looking for one particular door, right? They went in and out of a lot of doors. They saw the guy in the snow and they went to, you know, different villages and all that. And uh, they went to different places, but they were looking for one particular door. And that's Boo's door, the white door with the pink flowers. That's the one they needed. And they could go in and out of any door that they wanted, but they weren't going to deliver Boo to safety until they went through that door. What I'm trying to tell you today is that there is only one door that leads to safety. There is only one door that leads to salvation. His name is Jesus Christ. He says, I am the door. And if any man enter in, he will be saved. By the way, he says, if any man enter in. Don't you love that phrase? Any man, anyone. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you're from. It doesn't matter your upbringing. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter if you are red, yellow, black, or white. It does not matter if you are male or female. Hey, he says, if any man will enter in, he will be saved. I'm thankful that the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so today, if you don't know Jesus, today can be the day of salvation for you. You can walk through the door and experience the abundant eternal life that Jesus has to offer. Jesus says, let me tell you what I provide for you. I am the door. He provides salvation. Secondly, he provides security. I want you to see in verse number nine. He provides security. In verse nine, he says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out. Now, it doesn't say go to in and out because I believe that would be a great suggestion, right? If Chick-fil-A is the Lord's chicken, then in and out is the Lord's burger. Can I get an amen from anybody today? Thank you. This is the spiritual service. Everyone else is like five guys. No, no, in and out. But notice it in verse nine. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and he shall go in and out. 
Now, this is a phrase that's very important for us to unpack. Uh, this would have been a phrase that was common in the Hebrew language. They would have been very familiar with this phrase, shall be able to go in and out. This was a phrase that spoke to safety and security. If you were living in a village or a town that was under siege or under attack, the ruler or the king of that village or town would say, hey, uh, you have to stay inside, shelter in place. Nobody can go in or out because uh, there would be danger. There's danger out there, so you have to stay in. But when your city or town was experiencing a time of peace and everything was going great, then you were free to go in and out uh, because there was security and safety. And so the message that Jesus is communicating is when you place your faith in me, when you walk through the door and experience salvation, accompanied with that salvation is security and peace. There's pe- now, this is important because in case you haven't noticed, there's lacking some peace in our world today. Everywhere we look, every day in the news, what do we see? More turmoil. More trial, more tribulation, more heart, more adversity, more hatred, more division. We see it everywhere. We see it in our country. We see it in Afghanistan. We see it this past week, the news in Australia. Everywhere that we look, we see turmoil. And what I want you to know is that even in a world when panic is all around us, you can experience peace within you if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says there's security there. There's peace there. He goes on in John 10. He says, if you've been saved, then you've been placed in the Father's hand. And when you're in the Father's hand, John 10, 28 through 30, he says, no one will be able to pluck you out of the Father's hand. You know what that sounds like to me? Security. He's holding us secure. And so I want you to know today, Jesus provides salvation. He provides security. But he also provides satisfaction. He provides satisfaction. Notice verse 9 again. He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and he shall go in and out and find pasture. Pasture speaks to the provision uh, and the satisfaction that accompanies a life with Jesus. I'm thankful that Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. I can satisfy the deepest desires of your soul. I can give you new desires. I can bring satisfaction in your life. Oswald Chambers, he said this. The man or woman who does not know God demands an infinite satisfaction from other human beings, which they cannot give. And in the case of the man, he becomes tyrannical and cruel, and it springs from this one thing. The human heart must have satisfaction. But there is only one being who can satisfy the last abyss of the human heart, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, when you walk through the door, not only will you experience safety and security, but I'll lead you to green pastures, and you will experience fulfillment and satisfaction that you have never tasted of. Psalm 23 puts it this way. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Don't you love how uh, the verb is there? He says, I'm going to make you lie down whether you like it or not. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. See, the good life, the abundant life in Christ does not mean an absence of struggle. But it does mean the presence of God in the midst of our struggle. And so when we're talking about satisfaction and fulfillment, it doesn't mean that we are going to experience days Uh, we're not going to experience days of adversity. He says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. 
We have the presence of our Heavenly Father. That changes everything. Just as a child might be afraid. Uh, last night, my son Luke uh, called me into his room, and he was having a lot of questions, and I think he was a little bit uh, nervous in the dark. But when I was with him, he was totally calm. See, the presence of a father can change everything. And he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with you. Uh, Jesus said, hey, I want you to go out into the highways. I want you to change the world and preach the gospel to every nation. And lo, I am with you always. He's with us. He says, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup, it runs over. There's never a shortage of satisfaction when we have a real authentic relationship with Jesus. He, he, he always has a supply to give to us. Now, one of the reasons we don't experience the supply of satisfaction that Jesus wants to offer is because we are looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. And we live in a perpetual state of discontent. And Max Lucado, he talked about this, and he called this the prison of want. And this is how he described it. He says, it's prisoners want something bigger, nicer, faster, thinner. If your happiness comes from something you deposit, drive, drink, or digest, then you're in the prison of want. Are you hoping that a change in circumstance will bring a change in your attitude? If so, you're locked up. You're in a cell of discontentment. See, the life that Jesus has to offer is so much better and more than that. It's better than a good life. It's abundant life, green pastures. And so we have to recognize that Jesus has everything that we need. This leads us to the second thought. Are you ready for number two today? Number two is this. Then we have to remain on guard against the enemy. I believe that Jesus has a plan for your life. Anybody thankful for that? Jesus has a plan for your life. But what I want you to also know is the devil has a plan for your life. And he wants nothing more than to mess it up. And so in verse number 10, Jesus is going to talk about how we must remain on guard. Notice in verse 10. He says, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so he says there's a thief, a thief. Now, a shepherd in the first century would be very well familiar with the fact that there would be thieves that would want to come in and steal sheep and try to make a dishonest gain. And so they'd have to be uh, protective of that. And so Jesus is saying, hey, there is a thief that wants to come in and mess your life up. And the word thief carries the idea of a deceiver. Okay? So a thief obviously is someone that steals, but a thief is someone that deceives. And see, what the enemy does in our day is he does not come in right at the front door and announce his tactics. He's going to come in subtly. He's going to sneak in. He's going to deceive. And we see it taking place on a daily basis through the media, through entertainment, through culture, uh, through so many different things that are shaping a worldview. And if we're not careful, we will start to be deceived by the messages of the world, these false philosophies and ideologies and implausible sounding arguments that it sounds good, it sounds like that's acceptable, but when you dig deep and when you dive deeper, you realize that that is completely contrary to the word of God. And then we have to come to the point where we decide, well, what is our final authority? When we're confused in life and something sounds plausible and it sounds good, are we going to just trust what we feel? Because newsflash, our feelings lie to us, often. Are we going to trust what we feel? Are we going to trust what we think is right? Or are we going to trust what the Bible says, what, what, what God has instructed to us? And sometimes people say, well, how do I know if, if something that I'm hearing in culture or the media or on news, or how, how do I know if, if this is a, a, a false philosophy or if this is something that is biblical? Well, I would say the more familiar you are with God's word, the more fortified you will be to stand against the enemy. And so often we're unsure and we're living in la-la land because we don't know what the Bible says. 
And I think it's time for some followers of Jesus today in 2021 to get back to the Bible, to get back to what God says, to get back to a biblical worldview. And so Jesus is saying, you better be careful. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, I want to make it clear. Uh, the devil can't steal your salvation. But he's going to try to steal your joy. He's going to try to mess up your family. He's going to try to derail your children. He wants to destroy your life. Uh, the Bible says that the devil is as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil's not playing games. And so neither should we. And so we have to have some things in life that are set up, some very practical things that will help us remain on guard against the enemy. Uh, I think things like accountability and community. The Bible says that a threefold cord cannot be quickly broken. That means when we're living in community, not in isolation, there will be stability from that. Uh, I believe that the Bible says that there is safety in a multitude of counselors. That means when we're going to make a major decision in life, we don't just say, well, I feel this right, so I'm going to do it, and I don't need to ask anyone. No, there's safety in getting counsel and talking to spiritual leaders and talking to godly influences that will help steer us in the right direction. See, there ought to be some practices in your life uh, that will help keep you on guard against the enemy. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, keep thine heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. There ought to be some things that you do not allow in your home. There ought to be some things that you do not allow in your life remaining on Guard. Uh, Jude put it this way. Jude verse 3 and 4 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. He's saying, Stand up for the faith, for the truth of the gospel. Uh, there ought to be some men and women that say, You know what? I'm going to stand for truth. He says, Then, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, uh, essentially just meaning wickedness, and denying the only Lord God in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so these men crept in unawares, and they were turning the grace of God, God's undeserved favor, as a license to just do whatever you want. Hey, if God's grace is so great, he's just going to forgive me anyways, then I'm just going to do whatever I want, live however I want, and he'll just forgive me, uh, forgive me anyways. That's turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, into wickedness. That's what these men were doing. They were also denying the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and here's what Jude is saying that we need to pay attention to. They crept in unawares. They snuck in like a thief. And if we aren't careful, worldly ideas and philosophies will sneak into the home, sneak into the church, and before you know it, there's going to be devastation because we didn't remain on guard. And so Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to live the abundant life, the good life, recognize that Jesus is everything that you need, and then remain on guard uh, against the enemy. This leads us to the third and final thought today. Everybody ready? Third thought. We then rejoice in the promises of God. We rejoice. And I want us to see the concluding part of verse number 10 as we close today. Verse 10. He says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But then Jesus says, I am come that they might have life, eternal life, everlasting life, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I'm thankful that, that Jesus wants us to experience a wonderful, great life, the best life possible. Sometimes we think of God as a killjoy, that he's just up in heaven with lightning bolts, just waiting for us to mess up so we can throw some down at us. That's not our God. 
He loves us. He wants us to experience a fulfilled life, an abundant life. The best life possible is found in following Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. The good life is life with Christ, life more abundant. Now, sometimes we have a misconception on abundant life and life with Christ. And we think, man, if I give my life to Christ and I get serious about following Jesus, there's gonna be some good things that come from it, but I just don't know if I'm gonna experience all the wonderful pleasures in life and all the things that I wanna do. And I don't know if life with Jesus is really gonna bring me joy. And so we kind of think that life following Jesus is kind of like this where he's gonna give me some great things, but it's just gonna... I'm just going to have some emptiness and I'm, I'm going to wish, uh, I'm going to always wonder if I, if I would have done that and if I would have pursued that, what could have happened? It's kind of like there's going to be some great things that come from following Jesus, but it's just kind of, there's always something missing we think that we think that might be. But, but I want to say that that is, not, that is not how God views giving his blessing to his people. The, the Bible says in James 1, 5, that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. God is not up in heaven with a plethora of blessing and wisdom and joy saying, say, I'm just gonna hold out on you. He says, I'll give you as much as you need. Do you need wisdom today? Claim the promise of James 1, 5. God's waiting to give it to you. And he says, I'll give you as much as you need. He's not gonna hold back. And here's what I want you to see about the word abundantly in verse number 10. Everybody with me? The word abundantly in the Greek is parisos. And this is what abundantly means, over and above. And so Jesus is saying, when you walk through the door and when you experience salvation, he's saying you will be given life eternal, but then you will experience abundant life over and above the best life possible, a life that is overflowing with blessing, a life that is overflowing with joy, a life that is overflowing with goodness. The abundant life is not about the abundance of possessions. It's not about the abundance of experiences. It's about a real relationship with Jesus. I'll give you abundant life. He says, I am everything that you need. I can lead you to greener pastures. I can give you satisfaction and life out of the ordinary and into a life more abundant. There's a, a commentator that I read often. His name is Matthew Henry. And he's a Bible commentator. He's a scholar and he's from the 18th century. And I've, I've read him probably every week over the last 10 years of my life, but it wasn't until this past week that I really learned a little bit more about his story. And Matthew Henry had a rough life and from all external appearances, we would not say that he was living the good life. His wife passed away, all three of his children passed away before him. And when he was 52 years old, he was on his deathbed. And so at a young age, he's on his deathbed about to pass on and go to heaven. His wife already has died. His three children have died. From all external appearances, we would say that's not the good life. That's an unfair life. But at the end of his life, this is what he said. He was with a friend and his friend was kind of remembered for writing down the, the, the sayings and the statements of people on their uh, deathbed. And this is what Matthew Henry said. You've been used to take notice of the sayings of dying men. This is mine. That a life spent in the service of God in communion with him is the most comfortable and pleasant life that one can live in this present world. Someone that walked through the valley of the shadow of death, someone that experienced great loss said, you know what? The best life possible is with Jesus. 
because the good life is not about externals. It's not about the abundance of things and experiences. The good life is about the greener pastures that Jesus wants to bring us to, life more abundantly. And that is what Jesus is offering today. When we talk about the abundant life, when we talk about this good life and eternal life, that's exactly what Jesus is offering. You can receive it. All you have to do is walk through the door. I am the door. And see, so many people are confused at where to find satisfaction and are confused about salvation. And we live in this pluralistic culture and society that whatever path leads you to God, good for you. In this post-truth society, whatever's true for you is good for you. But remember, Jesus made an exclusive claim. I am the door. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so many people want to walk through the door of religion or walk through the door of, of, of personal experience. But Jesus is the door. He's the only way of salvation. And today he's offering eternal life and abundant life. He's offering the best life possible. And the reason Jesus can make this offer is because of verse number 11. And I want us to see it as we close. Notice verse number 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd that laid down his life and sacrificially died on the cross. And the reason Jesus died on the cross was for your sins and for my sins. See, we all share something in common this morning, and that is that we are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Hey, nobody had to teach us how to sin. We're pretty good at it all on our own. Right? Nobody had to teach your children how to be mean to each other, and no one uh, taught the kids in the nursery how to bite each other, right? They just do it instinctively. We are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's something that we share in common. And there is a problem with that because the Bible says the wages or the payment of sin is death. Not the good life, death. And more than just a physical death, even a spiritual death, eternal separation from God. The wages, the payment of sin is death. But then the verse goes on and says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, because he is the door. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so today we all share this problem of sin. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, but Jesus went to the cross and he gave his life. The good shepherd gave his life for the sheep. He died so that we could experience the forgiveness of sins, so that we could experience eternal life and abundant life. That's why Jesus died. And aren't you thankful he didn't stay dead, but he rose again on the third day. And because Jesus rose again on the third day, and, and because Jesus conquered sin, death, and the grave, that means that he set the precedent for you and I that we too can live forever. forever. And that death is not the end of the road. It's simply a bend in the road. And today, if you've never trusted in Christ, if you've never experienced the abundant life that Jesus has to offer, eternal life. Today can be the day of salvation for you. You can receive the free gift. The Bible says in Ephesians, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, not the door of works, not the door of being a good person, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's the gift of God. And today as we close, I wanna give an opportunity for anyone that wants to receive the free gift of salvation, that you can leave this place knowing that you have a home in heaven forever because that's what this is all about. 
We're not just living a better life and fixing up the cosmetics and having some surface things change. No, we're talking about life made new, abundant life. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today.